Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So the, the question that I'm, I'm looking for us to be able to answer when we get to the end of this message is, as Christ followers... So I'm talking to believers. If you are here just kind of checking out the church, if you are uh, not a, a believer, you can, this does not necessarily have to apply to you, though uh, I think if you do this, you will also step into uh, abundant life. Uh, but if you are a Christ follower here with us today, uh, what should our default mode of life be? What should our lives be? look like? We could say love. We could make a, a biblical case for saying that our lives should look like love, and that would be true if I'm allowed to define what love looks like. If uh, I, I think that biblical love transcends our normal understanding of like, oh, I love pancakes, right? Or I, I love Cedar Point. Those are the first two things I could think of, um, which I do. But if we define love as self-giving sacrifice, that is what our, our lives as Christ followers should look like. There is a, a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. You may be uh, familiar with him. He wrote the message uh, paraphrase of the Bible. He's written uh, a number of, of books. He's one of, my, one of my favorite speakers. I listen to his podcast almost weekly. But he defines biblical love as rugged commitment. I love that. It's this idea that we are in this thing for the long haul. Just because you uh, offend me or do something that I don't like, I'm not abandoning you. This is what I want my marriage to look like. This is rugged commitment. Regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of what situations we walk through, I am ruggedly committed to you. And as a church family, we need to be ruggedly committed to one another, which means we are going to serve one another as we follow Jesus' example. But here is the rub, all right? Here's the bad news. We don't want to serve, right? We want to be served, if we're honest with ourselves. <coughs> Jesus tells a, a story in Luke 14 of a, a wedding banquet, and, and a guy comes into the, 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 the wedding or the dinner, and he takes the seat of honor. But the, the, uh, the host comes and there's somebody more honorable. So he asks this person who takes the seat of honor to, to sit in the seat of least honor and put somebody else in that place. And to his shame, he has to stand up and walk to the seat of least honor. Right? And that's all of us. We want to be sitting in that honorable position. We are looking for power and prestige and influence. We want people to like us. We want that recognition. And I don't know about everybody else, but for me, that often comes down to this, this uh, problem that some of us have, me included, with identity, right? I want to be liked. I want to be popular. I want to be impressive, 
right? And, and we see and we learn in our culture that it is the people that are being served that are impressive, right? Those are the, the people that have been identified as, as worthy of honor. But in the kingdom, it looks like something else. It looks like service. It looks like rugged commitment. And so a lot of us might be kind of pushing back against that, thinking, man, I actually serve a lot. I give. We, I do these altruistic things. There's good stuff happening in my life. But the reality is that there's some part inside of us, right, that is, that is still selfish, that's still looking out for number one. In the letter that we're going to look at today, the letter of Philippians, Paul is writing to this church, and he loves this church. It is, the, you know, some people call it the letter of joy. He's so excited and happy. He's, he's uh, thanking them for sending money. Thank you. When all these other churches forgot about me here in prison, you guys were faithful to, to send me money. And yet we see throughout this letter where he's thanking them for serving him and giving to them, he warns them not to be selfish, not to be vain, not to look for their own interests, but to look for the interests of others. Because there's always room for us to grow, to to increase in our ability, in our action of dying to ourselves and serving somebody else. So this isn't a new problem. Uh, Wise people have been talking about this idea for a long time, and so I found a couple of quotes here. This is uh, apparently an ancient Chinese saying, according to Google, so, um, and they wouldn't lie. It says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. Amen. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. Amen. I just started fishing. I'm a fisherman now, angler. if, if you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. I imagine that is true. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. That's a good proverb. Seems solid. Seems solid. Our friend St. Francis of Assisi said, Assisi? Assisi? Assisi. <laughs> for it is in giving that we receive. Leo Tolstoy, the sole meaning of life is to serve humanity. Winston Churchill, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's a good one. This is Muhammad Yunus, a Nobel Prize winner. Making money is a happiness, but making other people happy is a super happiness. Thank you, Muhammad. That's good. And finally, the, the great Goldie Hawn says, giving back is as good for you as it is for those you are helping because giving gives you purpose. When you have a purpose-driven life, you're a happier person. Thank you, Goldie. The grass withers and the flowers. <laughs> kidding. That's a joke. So, so right, people have recognized the, the value and the importance of serving, of, of giving back for a long, long time. And we agree, right? And we say, yes, let's do that, right? And, and we aspire to it. So why is it, and that's why I'm hoping that we can tackle a little bit today, why is it that we so often fail at doing this very thing that we believe is true, that we aspire to, and we hope that other people are doing. All right, and so today we're going to look at how Paul addresses this very topic in his letter to the Philippians. So, part one, the problem. 
We don't want to serve. We want to be served. And so the people that are receiving this letter are struggling with and living in the same sinful human nature that we have. Right? Even though this letter, as I said, was written to say thank you for serving me, there's still these lingering bits within the Philippian church where they are apparently being selfish and vain. So let's read Philippians 2, uh, 1 through 4, and then the first part of verse 14. Here it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Skipping to verse 14, he says, In everything, without grumbling or arguing. And we will get to the continuation of that in a moment. And so these people that he's writing to are struggling to some level or another with these things. Selfish ambition, vain conceit, looking to their own interests. And Paul is writing this letter in part to help them and guide them to correct kingdom thinking. Because right, the reality is that these Philippian believers and we ourselves have been brought into a new kingdom. We are a new creation. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm not, I don't have it up there, but uh, in verse 13 and 14 it says, For he, Jesus, has rec rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right? So we were stuck over here in the kingdom of darkness. And God, through Jesus, picked us up and brought us and deposited us into the new kingdom of his son. Here we have redemption. We have been restored into right relationship with the Father. Here, all of our sins, these things that have kept us separated from the Father, have been forgiven and wiped clean. So we now live as Christ followers in this new kingdom. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So Paul says, we are new. We are set free from the law of sin and death. Right? We are not stuck in these old patterns of thinking. We're not stuck in these old ways of life anymore. And in this new kingdom... There are new rules, right? There's new principles. There are new uh, governing attitudes for our lives when we've moved into this new kingdom, right? And so as a, as a uh, what do we call it, a citizen? A citizen of Portage? Is that a thing? As a person who lives in Portage, I have to pay taxes to, to Portage, Right? And I have to keep my lawn mowed in Portage, and I have to happily wave to the people in my neighborhood because I live in Portage, and that is what we do. All right? It doesn't matter if I know them or not. We wave. That's what, that's, there, a person drove through my neighborhood the other day and didn't wave nor look at me. 
And I immediately was like, who is this person, this imposter that has come? They're probably from Kalamazoo. <laughs> coming over here into Portage, not waving. I don't get it. So, so when we, or like when I moved from Fox Brothers, I had a job, a great job at Fox Brothers, and, uh, and I started working at New Day, a lot of things shifted, right? I no longer went to Fox Brothers in the morning. I came to work here at the church, right? Uh, my loyalty was no longer to Fox Brothers and selling and fixing windows. My loyalty was to the, the church and this congregation, right? And so when we move from one job to another, right, we play by different rules. Our, our focus shifts. Right? And so when we were brought into this new kingdom, the kingdom of God's Son, we had a shift in our thinking, or we should have a shift in our thinking. These old rules that dominated the old kingdom brought division and, and brokenness and, and death. But Paul shows that in the new kingdom, in, in this new community of believers, it is to be dominated by unity, and that unity through self-giving love and humility. And so this old nature, this old kingdom, it, like I said, brought division and corruption and death. And these are the things, and this is from the book of Colossians in chapter 3, that Paul says uh, are part of the old nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it shows the kind of attitudes, the kind of things that were part of this old nature, and every single one of those brings division. Every single one of those brings corruption and brokenness into our world. And so there's something new that we're moving towards. No longer are we showing up for work in the old kingdom. We're showing up for work in the new kingdom. And the new kingdom is all about unity. It's all about unity. And so there's Philippians 2, 1 through 4 again. But this is my little paraphrase. If you are united with Christ, if you find comfort in his love, if the Spirit has created a fellowship, then think like I do. Think unity through humility. Think unity through service. That is what Paul is calling his people to, and that is what he is calling us to. We see revealed in this section and throughout the letter to Philippians, really throughout the Bible, right, that there are these natural tendencies that Paul is calling the Philippians to turn away from. That is selfish ambition, vain conceit, looking to your own interests. Does that sound familiar? Is Paul talking to a church in Philippi 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world, or is he talking to us in the United States in 2018? Yes. Yes, he is talking to both of us because this sinful, broken nature doesn't change. But there is another serious problem that we have outside of just recognizing that there is still some selfishness inside of us, even as new creations. The other bad news is that there's nothing we can do about it. 
Well, that's disappointing. We can't do it. We can't live like Paul is calling us to live. Throughout the story, this is very quiet. This is a real downer message, apparently. Uh, so throughout the Old Testament, we, we see this story of God calling his people to righteous living, right? And yet we see them over and over again failing and messing it up. They can't do it. Humanity is apparently unable to live up to God's expectations. But we have a solution. Amen. Whew. I didn't think we were going to make it, but we did. There is a solution. Jesus shows us a better way. And he enables us to accomplish it, to walk down this path. All right, so let's read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul uses this beautiful hymn or this beautiful poem about Jesus' humiliation and Jesus' exaltation in order to show us how we are supposed to pursue relationships in this new kingdom in this new community verse 5 paul says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus he's talking he's not talking about just in our mind kind of this mental ascent to how we are supposed to uh, look at people but in your relationships how you actually encounter and live with and, and 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 love and serve do it in the same way that Jesus did it. Jesus led the way for us, showing us how we are supposed to live, and we can see this in a comparison of these two verses. In what we just read, Jesus being in very nature God. Right? He's not just another man. He's not just somebody who's you know, walking in Jerusalem, but this is God. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is what our relationships are supposed to look like. Compare this with what Paul sees in the Philippian church. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Stop doing that, guys. Stop doing vain, being vainly conceited, but in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So often my own life is dominated by looking to my own interests. And this isn't long ago before I met Jesus. This was yesterday, this morning. 
It's just there's something in us, right, that wants to be served, that wants to be the center of attention. And so not only does Jesus show us how to do this, but he empowers us to do what we absolutely cannot do without him. The grace of Jesus, the the empowering of the Holy Spirit, uh, being in Christ, being transformed from this old sinful creature into something completely new, something that has been set free from the law of sin and death. What we could never do on our own in our fallen nature, because we are in Christ, because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can now walk pure and holy and righteously before God. We can actually lay down our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Not because we are great, but because Jesus has done it for us. He's showed us the way and he's empowered us. And when we take this path, this path of, of death to ourselves, this path that is weakness and humility, we are actually funneling in kingdom power into our own lives, into our relationships, and into our world. I 100% believe that when we live out of our selfish nature, when we, you know, sexual immorality or lying or greed, not only is it bad for us, it brings death to us, but we're actually bringing this sinful corruption into our world. We're sowing seeds of corruption. When we sin, it's not just about us. It's what we're pouring into our community, our family, and into our world. But when we step into God's way, ruggedly committed to one another, humbly serving one another, then we are pouring kingdom power, resurrection life, into our lives, into our families, into our communities, and into our world. And one reason that I'm excited about this, this teaching is that it has radically transformed my whole life. And especially, um, I can look at, at my own marriage and how seeing this message of selflessness and dying to myself to serve somebody else has transformed my marriage. Truth is, I'm not that great of a guy. Right? And I, in my, way back, years and years ago, I could be more selfish than I am now and look out for my own needs. And so as a young man and you get married and you, you, you marry somebody else that is selfish, right? there can be some intense situations that occur. But by coming to church, and it's not like you know, Pastor Cameron or Pastor Ken or whoever preached this same message over and over again, but throughout the story of Jesus, throughout the gospel, we see over and over again this call to die to ourselves, this call to serve somebody else. And when I learned to serve Amber before caring about my own needs, even though it was hard, even though I didn't want to, right? All of a sudden, this begins a transformation in our marriage. And now it's just gotten better and better. And now I quickly serve Amber and she quickly serves me. And the whole relationship is flourishing because we learn to die to ourselves and serve the other. 
Right? And the same can be said in our, in our work relationships, in our friendships, in our communities. When we die to ourselves, the community flourishes. I don't know if you guys have seen, have anybody have the Nextdoor app? If, if you live in Portage, you have the Nextdoor app. Uh, sorry. I'm real pro-Portage today, apparently. I don't know why. In, in yeah? In parchment. <laughs> They have the internet in parchment, so good news. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, sorry about that. Um, so there's this Nextdoor app, and there's this really cool thing. So this lady in our neighborhood uh, posts on there. She's like, hey, my, my Nextdoor neighbor is complaining about this tree that fell down in, in, our, in our yard, and we haven't had a chance to clean it up and she's like I really want to but I actually have stage four cancer and there's a lot going on right now and I is do you, does anybody know who I could call and like moments later uh, a group of neighbors said we'll take care of that tomorrow I'm sure that every single one of those people had plans for the next day and yet they said you know what I'm willing to lay my desires my needs my self-centered focus down so I can serve this person. And that is what we want to be characterized by. That's what we want to look like. And the truth is that what looks like defeat and failure and, and weakness in the old kingdom, in God's kingdom, that is the avenue of abundant life and flourishing relationships. So, I don't know, I got lost on my slides. I don't know where we are. Ignore that. So, if we want to see abundant life in ourselves, our families, our church, our community, and our world, we are only going to achieve it through humility and service. And if we follow Jesus' example, this is not just service to people that we like, or that look like us, or that think like us, but service to those who hate us and service to those who are trying to kill us. And that is tough. But Paul ends this section here, and we are nearing the end, friends. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so he calls us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're called to do it. Walk it out. Do it. Just like Jesus showed you the way. Do the same thing. And so today, what this means for us is that in every situation, Every situation that we encounter, we want to meet it in such a way that it reveals the new life that God has given us and the new kingdom he has brought us into. Everything we do, we want to be representative of our new life and the kingdom where we now reside. So work it out. You guys can do it. Oh, wait, we already talked about it. You can't do it. Don't worry, Paul didn't forget. For it is God who works in you to will and to act 
in order to fulfill his good purpose. We can work out our salvation only because of what Christ has done. And we can be filled over and over again every morning with that same power and that same enabling to do what he has called us to do. So, what do, we, what do we do with this? How do we practically put this into practice in our lives? If this new kingdom is a call for us to meet every situation in such a way that it reveals the new life we have in God and the new kingdom we live in, how do we I- imitate Christ's humility in all the spheres of our life? And so let's just take a moment just to think through that. How can you imitate Christ's humility at school? At summer breaks, you have a long time to to think this through and get ready for for September. How do we imitate Christ's humility and service, his rugged commitment in the home? Sometimes my kids will, will ask me to, not, not for a while, this was when, when they were a little younger, they would ask me to watch this, watch this YouTuber that I'm really into and let me talk to you about this YouTuber. I think none of my kids are here. <laughs> that feels like death. <laughs> right? It's like, I really, really want to care about this. But I cannot. <laughs> but sitting there going, yeah, that is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, that is a way to show love and service to our kids. It's just one little way. Well, how can we show love and service and rugged commitment in our marriage? How can we serve and imitate Christ in the church? encourage you not to just be spectators in the church, just be recipients, but to to get plugged in. Find a way where you can lay your life down for somebody else, just as Jesus laid his life down for you. Where can we imitate Christ in our neighborhood? By knowing them? Taking care of their trees when they fall in their yard? And how... Do we imitate Christ in our world? So I encourage you to to ponder that. I'm sure you can find examples and, and God will reveal to you moments when you are being selfish at school, at home, in your marriage, at church, with your friends, wherever. And ask him to help you to recognize that and to, to live out the rugged commitment that he is calling you to the life of humble service.